Kasky hits this one deep to left field. This has a chance. This ball is gone. It's a walk-off home run. Now Caleb driving left side alley-oop to Nelson. Throws it down with two hands. Make the handoff. Keeps it running left. He's across midfield. 40, 30, 20, 10. Jalen Rayner to the house. Welcome to the Second to None podcast. The A-State Podcast, presented by First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group. Now, here's Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Coming up, a fantastic weekend for A-State Athletics. Multiple school records falling for track and field. Bowling with an undefeated weekend. The tennis team was at home. And a San Marcos sweep for the basketball teams over the weekends. We're going to talk about all of that stuff, but... First, we do want to welcome our presenting sponsors yes. to the podcast. First episode, we've had both First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group. So we appreciate their support of this podcast. And this is a program that, Brad, you and I have talked about many times over the last couple of years. I mean, we didn't know where this thing would go, mm-hmm. but it's turned into something that so many of our fans have used and we look forward to doing it every week. We look forward to the guests that we have in studio. And, you know, one of the big reasons we enjoy this so much is because we get to know a lot of the coaches and student athletes throughout the world of A-State athletics a lot better just through these conversations. And we're thrilled today to welcome in from the A-State men's basketball team, DeAndre Dominguez. How you doing, DeAndre? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, but I I do want to start with this past Saturday, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards, because we want everybody to know your whole story. But that was a huge win, 79-72 at Texas State. I don't know if you knew this, but it was the first time an A-State team had won at Texas State in 10 years. It's been since 2014. Had a lot of close games in that building, but just hard to get over the hump and this wasn't setting up necessarily to be that day just because of all the adversity you guys were up against you're coming off the heartbreaking loss to southern miss on wednesday coach hodson is not on the trip because he and jordan are waiting for the baby to come at any time so you're without your head coach a couple of your bigs are out ladu lacou and laquil hardnett both sick they didn't make the trip. And then Isaiah Nelson gets hurt in the first two minutes of the ball game. Everything seemed to be stacked against you on Saturday, but somehow you guys found a way to win. How did you do it? It starts off with extreme leaders, you know, Caleb Fields, Avery Feltz, you know, those two guys. They've been here the longest, you know, so when we're all on the court together and we're kind of feeling like we're back against the fence, we always tend to rely on them the most. They kind of say they rely on me because of my energy, you know, on the floor. Every time I have good energy, every time, you know, we're all going hard at the same time on the court together. It's just like feed off that energy and we just do good from there. But having those two guys, you know, T. Butters, head coach, you know, he's coaching us out there uh, his second time, actually. So he was pretty comfortable. It was kind of just preaching, you know, toughness, you know, the things that we go through every day in practice. And leading to that game, we kind of felt like, we're back against the fence. We we don't have Coach B, you know. He's about to have a baby, 
and Coach Butters is kind of nervous. You know, he lost his first time doing head coach. So Most people don't know this, but this was last year at his last coaching stop. He had to do the same thing. The yeah. head coach was gone. He had to step in as the acting head coach. So this was his second time doing it. Yes, sir. And we felt like we just had to do our best, even though like we didn't have two of our main other guys, our older guys, Ledoux and Q. So we just felt like, you know, we had to put a little more extra emphasis on toughness during the game, and we're going to get the win. So what do you guys – I mean, I know what the coaches are telling you, but as players, what did you say to each other to kind of talk about, or to communicate, or just – or did you even have to talk about how to handle your business without the head coach there? We knew without coach we're going to get the win, just to do it for him, you know. He's not there, you know, so I know he's kind of thinking he has a lot of stuff on his mind, you know. But he's about to have a baby, so it's like that's what the things he has to focus on. He can never miss that moment. So for us to get the win for him without him there is just so cool. Like we're all on the bus like before the game. Like no matter if Coach B is here or not, like we got to do this for him because we're all close enough. Like on and off the court, we all have personal relationships with each and every one of us. So having that as a team, you know, it goes such a far away. And I think it's a good example for you guys, too, because he did the right thing. I mean, that's a once in a lifetime moment that you can't get back for any amount of money or any amount of wins on the basketball floor. So to see your head coach prioritize the way he did, Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of talk about family in the program. Yeah. He's showing just how important family is. Yeah. My dad has came out here a few times and, you know, us three in a relationship me coach b and my my father like we have the best relationship possible um before the louisiana game i want to say he had made us a video of like all of our parents sending inspirational videos like to help us go get the win against louisiana fortunately we didn't but the video was just it was so heartwarming like to see our parents like you know actually watching us go through our everyday dream and you know, Coach B always dwells on family. Like, he preaches that a lot, even throughout the team, like, else's his teammates and stuff like that. He preaches it a lot, so it's very important to us. Hey, what do you think he was like having to watch that game? Some yelling at the TV? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually said he was screaming a lot at me, you know, because uh, <laughs> when Zay was out, I had to guard the five-man, so <laughs> I was kind of struggling a little bit. So he said he was screaming at me the most, but I'm just trying to do the best I can. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool because when you landed back in Jonesboro on Saturday night, he was right there. He came out to the airport to meet you guys. What was that conversation like? We're on the plane, and uh, Coach Drew, like, as we landed, he had told us that uh, Coach B wanted to see us, you know, because we just got back and we just landed. He wanted to see us. So we walked out the plane, and we seen him, and he was, like, so happy to see us and stuff like that. He had just came from the hospital and stuff. So we text all day in the group chat about just the game and, like, what we can do going forward. I think that's cool that uh, that he came out and met you guys, and obviously he's keeping you informed with everything that's going on there. Yeah, yeah, I'm so happy for him. It's like words can't even be explained. All right, let's talk a little bit about you. One thing that we talked about even before this season even started was roles are kind of different inside this offensive system, and I think you're the perfect case study here because – You're 6'9", you're top 10 in the league in three-pointers made, you're top 10 in the league in rebounding right now. If I asked you, DeAndre Dominguez, what position do you play? What would you tell me? I could play any position that coach wants me to play. Yeah, I honestly believe that. But it's such a versatile role that you play. Yeah, he just has the utmost confidence in me as a player, and I respect that highly of him. You know, I've never really had a coach that gave me as much confidence as he does. 
So I pra- I praise him a lot for that, you know. And sometimes on the court, I feel like when I'm not doing everything I possibly can, I get frustrated with myself because you know he's he's he believes in me so much. So like he gives me just the utmost confidence, and just I just got to take full advantage of it. That's just how it has to go all year long. But I was I was glad you asked that question. I wanted to hear the answer to that too. We hear this described and with you guys and the way the game is played right now, even the NBA, a lot of times they call it positionless basketball. Yeah. So how true is that? Obviously, you know who the point guard is and they're going to handle it the most, but past that, I mean, is it kind of positionless? It's positionless, but it's also kind of in a way where it's like know your role. So Fields, you know, obviously he's a shorter player, you know, but he's so fast. So it's just like he fits the perfect position to play point guard. Avery shoots the light out of the ball, shooting guard. He knows his role, <laughs> shoots the ball whenever he wants. He literally has a green light. So it's like, and we all like believe in it every time it goes up. So it's just yeah, like, shoot it, Avery. What, like, what else can you do? So, and um, for me, it's kind of just like, you know, I tend to try to do everything I possibly can. If I'm open on the wing, I shoot the ball. If I have a little guy on me, Fields is going to notice the mismatch, give it to me in the post because, you know, I have the height advantage. If I have to be in the gap on defense, then that's what I have to do. If I have to take a charge, that's what I have to do. If I have to dive on the floor, that's what I have to do. So I wanted to ask, and I know we'll get to it, but I guess coming up, were you always the tall kid? And so as a result, then <laughs> did you just kind of always deal with coaches that said, all right, you go stand in this paint and we're going to throw it to you? Yeah. Yeah, that's how it was when I was a, <laughs> when I was a young kid. Uh, I was about, I want to say like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six in like middle school. So like everyone was nowhere close to that. It was like five, 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 four. <laughs> so I was a hard five man back then. So and it was always frustrating to my dad because he always says like I can, he can shoot, like he can shoot. Why is he playing in the paint? Like I just play like, dad chill. That's what they want me to do. Like I'm just gonna do it. If that's what I, if that's what I got to do to win, then that's what I have to do. It's such a pure shot that you have, and I imagine it had to be frustrating at times growing up because you are in that scenario and you probably had to convince some coaches hey i can shoot from outside and, yeah and really help the team out here yeah actually it's a funny story because growing up i didn't really play basketball i played football like that was my main sport one of my teammates during like the aau time in the middle school he had uh we were playing football actually during the same time and he had broke his leg his dad like called my dad and was like ah matt broke his leg you know tell deandre to just chill on the football you know try to try to just stay on the basketball side and when I heard that, I kind of just stopped really playing. I didn't really play that much anymore. And starting my basketball career, I shot with both hands, like Sean Marion. And I would hold up my right hand. And my dad would always see it and be like, why do you why do you shoot like that? And I'd be like, I don't know. It just feels comfortable. Like, I'm just shooting. Like, just getting reps of him, shooting like that. And he's like, it doesn't look right. What hand do you write with? And I'm like, I'm a lefty. And he's like, well, maybe you should try, like, holding up your left hand. So I just kept working on it. It didn't feel right at first. So I just kept on always going back to two hands. And then, like, eventually just growing up, it just came right to me, left hand, left hand. And I just always kept working on it, and that's how it happened. Well, I can tell you put a lot of work in. Was football the first love for you, or was it basketball? Football was my first. And then after seeing, like, a whole lot of injuries growing up, you know, I just kind of stepped away from it and just started loving basketball more. Receiver? Yeah, I was a receiver. Uh, Defensive lineman, too. Receiver and defensive lineman? Yeah. (laughs) When was your big growth spurt? seventh grade going into eighth grade i went from like six three six four to like six seven it was like, six seven in eighth grade yeah it was like crazy and then like freshman year i grew like another inch or so 
to right where I am about. I think I feel like I grew a little bit. I'm probably like six nine right now, but my freshman year is like when I when I, like I got I stayed the same about like six eight. But like yeah, eighth grade I grew a lot, and then my freshman year I actually had a knee injury. They thought I tore my ACL, but I didn't though. I just chipped it a little bit. It was like, it wasn't nothing crazy. But they had scanned like my knee, and I had like so much height space left. They said I should be like six ten by like twenty one, but I'm not six ten. So <laughs> so mentally, socially, how'd you deal with? Being the tall kid, because you're either going to think, hey, this rules, or like, I mean, a lot of times you see kids like cower down. They don't want to be the tall kid. They'll walk slumped over. Kind of, how'd you deal with it? <laughs> it was kind of fun for me, you know. Obviously, made a lot of friends, you know, in school and stuff. I went to three different high schools, so like, um, knowing so many different people and just not just because my height, but like my uh, personality yeah. too, you know. So it's kind of like that's just how they always felt to me and then I just grew up having a lot of friends around me so I didn't really it didn't really bother me as much I would always ask if I played basketball <laughs> and I, would, I would just be like yeah yeah I play basketball I didn't want them to always like see me as that guy I kind of wanted them to see me as like just one of them you know yeah so I kind of really didn't talk about it as much like they would see it on social media and stuff and like everywhere so I would just kind of just like want to talk about something else you know because I'm, I'm always involved in basketball like you can always we can always go outside play basketball anytime you want but like when I'm with my friends I want to do other things you know like what mm, video games going to the movies you know going bowling doing something else I go paintballing a lot with my family so yeah I try to just when I'm with my family and friends I try to just do other things but of course it's always the grind you know staying in the gym and working hard as you can but when you're with family it's just a little different kind of have to just spend as much time as you can because you don't get that much you mentioned family and you mentioned your dad earlier so yeah. tell us about your family my mom currently lives with my aunt right now in brockton massachusetts and then i live with my dad right now we stay in providence rhode island he's working hard right now you know he uh, he works every day i'm pretty sure he does the Santa's delivery truck business he's working hard every day and just me seeing him do that every day i just have to you know go 10 times harder your hometown is listed as Providence, mm-hmm. but you mentioned three different high schools. Man, that's tough. I moved my junior year of high school, and I remember how tough that was, just trying to make new friends when all these other people have known each other their entire lives. But yeah. you said it kind of allowed you to make new friends. It, it sounds like you embraced that, and I'm sure basketball mm-hmm. helped you do that in a big way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it didn't really bother me as much going to all those different schools. It was kind of just like, just be yourself. Don't try to step out of your boundaries or do nothing crazy. You know, it's kind of just, you know, know, know your role. Like I said earlier, like, just be yourself and like stick to who you are. And people are going to always respect that no matter what. Stoltz, you ever been to Providence? I never have. I have. Have you? I've been, yeah. You know, actually um, doing women's basketball. We played in a tournament at Brown. Yeah, it's actually funny, uh... My favorite food spot is right next to Brown. It's on the it's on the strip street right there. It's called Chinatown. And it's right like in the campus of Brown. So yeah. I live pretty close to How'd they let you get out of there? I ain't that smart. (laughs) (laughs) I think you could have figured it out. (laughs) Well, you did start your collegiate career at UMass. Yes, sir. Spent three years there. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? Yeah. COVID. Oof. That was so crazy. And it was actually, like, right before I got there, like, they closed down school. So it was like, I'm home in the summer, just in the house all day. Couldn't do nothing. All the gyms shut down. All my friends is, like, isolated. You know, I couldn't. We couldn't do anything. We went there 
during football season. And mm. I remember, hey, I've never been to UMass, mm. never been to Amherst, mm-hmm. but I remember we stayed in Springfield. That's where the team hotel was. And we drove in before the game. We get there a few hours before the team to set up equipment. Anyway, so we're, we're driving the car and, and following the Google map instructions and we're a half a mile away from the football stadium it says and i'm thinking we got to be lost because i'm looking over there's cows to my left i mean (laughs) there's nothing but farm roads everywhere you look and then all of a sudden we come around the corner and lo and behold there's a football stadium that place is out in the middle of the country middle of nowhere literally kind of weird because like you don't see nothing when you're driving on the highway or anything so like, I used to drive from home all the way to UMass. It was only like two hours and 30 minutes. The whole ride, I'm seeing nothing, just trees. and Yeah, that's know. what we saw. And, um, and I get off the highway, and every time I get off the highway, it's 40 minutes to get to a campus off the highway. So I'm just driving through like regular streets, you know. I don't see no one outside, no kids running around on the playground, nothing. It's just blank. Well, Jonesboro's a big city now. <laughs> Yeah, Jonesboro, it's a little different, but like it's kind of... By the way, we have cows right across the street from well, campus too. So we, we sure do. You're right. <laughs> it's kind of the same, but I would say Jonesboro's definitely like more kind of a downtownish. That's what it kind of gives me. Definitely UMass, more urban than, than yeah, Amherst is. Yeah, Amherst was like... So know. when you're up there, like you're in Providence. So, I mean, like there's all kind of places you can get to. You mentioned you were two and a half hours to Amherst. So like, where'd you like to go? I mean, you, you could hop in your car or get to a lot of places fairly easily up in that part of the country yeah like, connecticut's right there yeah, you could get a lot of places uh, new york is like three hours away yeah. i've been in new york a couple times of course massachusetts is right there blue hills actually i've gone skiing there a couple times one thing i've never done i can't i can't snowboard though i tried snowboarding and i just kept falling i couldn't i didn't know how to stop so i asked the lady i'm like what's easier like snowboarding or skiing and she's like skiing and i'm like do you know how to stop? And she's like, yeah, I can teach you. I'm like, okay. I just started skiing. There can't be a lot of six nine guys out there on skis. <laughs> I haven't done it. It's a long a, way down if you fall. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't done it in a while, but it was pretty fun. I've done it a couple of times, and it was pretty fun. But I say my favorite thing to do right now when I'm home is paintballing, for sure. He talked about starting your career at UMass, but I want to go, like, how do you get hooked up with Coach Hodson? Kind of where do those paths cross? Because really, we all know that when he got that job – Sort of his first item of business is he got some of those guys who were already here to come out of the portal. But then in terms of kind of getting new guys in, you're right there on the front end of that. So how did, how did that all come to be? So my first two years at UMass, I had I was under the head coach of Matt McCall. Unfortunately, my sophomore year, he had uh, got fired. And I didn't really want to leave. Like no, I didn't really know a lot about the portal, so I kind of didn't really want to go into that. So I was just like, I'm going to stay. Like mm-hmm. Whatever coach comes, I'll just meet him and hopefully everything goes good and like literally a couple of days later frank martin comes in the gym and we're like practicing and i'm like that's frank martin and like he's a big deal yeah like i watched a lot of like michael beasley highlights and he went to kansas state kansas state yep, yep. and that was where frank martin was there so I would, I would always like in practice like i would always tell him that and he would be like oh you're far you're far from that like beasley was crazy and I'm like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. We had a good relationship, you know, but my junior year was when I was with Frank. So I had a whole new team, kind of. Uh, only like three of us stayed, maybe four of us. They were all older, you know, seniors, mostly juniors. So after my junior year, I just felt like it, was, it wasn't it was really like everyone's leaving, you know. So it's like I kind of don't want to. 
play with a whole nother new team again, you know. So I just kind of entered the portal. A couple of days later, B. Hodge calls me. He didn't really ask or tell me, like, anything like normal coaches would say. I'm not going to really say what they say, but, you know, it's kind of always repetitive. And mm-hmm. he wasn't really like that. You know, he was asking me how I'm doing, how's my family doing, just asking, like, about my life, not talking about basketball the whole time. Like, it was kind of just, like, family and, like, how are you, how am I living and what's going on. And then he asked me if I wanted to come on a visit, and he was actually the first coach to ask me that. So when he asked me that, I was like, yeah, I want to come. And then my brother has never been, like, on a college visit, like, ever. Like, never been to a college or nothing. So I asked him if I could bring my brother with me. And he was like, yeah, of course. Like, what kind of question is that? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, I'm like, okay. and then uh, came on my visit around, like, April. It was me, my dad, and my brother. We went out to eat. That was when uh, Coach Cruz was here as well. Before he, left the, Cruz, yep, yeah. before he left the Drake. So it was me, T-Butters, Coach B, my dad, my brother. And I was actually with Q as well. T-Baby was there at Terrence Ford, mm-hmm. Zay Nelson. And that dinner, like, it was a vibe that I can never forget. Like, I felt like I knew them guys for, like, all my life. Like, just talking about everything and, like, how's everything going over here? Because I didn't know nothing about Arkansas before I came here. So I'm like, like what's it like out here? Um, is it fun? Like, do you guys enjoy yourselves? Like, how's coach? Like, what's going on? How do you guys play? You know, and stuff like that. And, like, we just, like, bonded so well that whole dinner. And it was kind of like, I felt like I knew them forever. I kind of knew, like, this was a spot for me. It does seem like a really good connection Yeah, with this team right now. And one thing that was uh, very different before the season started was you guys went to a little boot camp. Oh, my God. What was that like for you? <laughs> It was so crazy. Like, we're in practice, and after practice, Coach Hodge is like, all right, guys, we're going to do, like, this boot camp for a week. And I'm like, all right, like, boot camp, but we're probably going to, like, roll in the mud or something. Like, something like it's going to be easy. It's probably just, like, for, like, all the freshmen, you know, the younger guys. So I'm like, okay, I can can do that. And he's like, there's going to be two Navy SEAL dudes. You know, they're crazy. We're going to do a whole bunch of stunts, a whole bunch of everything. And I'm like, okay, two Navy SEALs, huh? All right. So we take the bus to yeah, Stan Stan Jones. Jones. Yep. 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 We take it there, take the bus. And as soon as we park the bus, the two guys come. I'm instructor G and instructor B. Two crazy dudes. They get on the bus and they're like, everybody off the bus right now. And I'm like, oh my God. So we get off the bus and he's like, all right, get on the ground. And remind you, there's like rocks everywhere. Like just all rocks. So he's like, get on the ground. I want you to drop down and give me 20. But on my account. So my hands are, like, about to bleed because <laughs> we're just doing push-ups for so long. And I'm like, this is how we're starting? So we were there for a week. So that was just, like, the first thing. That was, like, the first crazy thing. So, like, we sleep. We end up going to sleep. We wake up at, like, 5 in the morning. We walk outside at, like, 5 in the morning. We have to be on a line, like, standing on next to each other, coaches involved, everything. So we're on the line at 5 in the morning. We have, like, our life jackets on, you know, camo pants, you know, kind of like an army fit going on. And Instructor G comes to us with a hose and sprays all of us and it's like freezing cold water at like five in the morning i'm rubbing my eyes trying to still wake up spraying the cold hose everywhere on everybody after that i was like yeah this is gonna be a crazy week (laughs) this is crazy (laughs) so you got this collection largely of new people to each other Mm -hmm. right and you guys, you know there's a lot of alpha males a lot of i mean because you're all you're division one athletes i mean how hard is it to set your ego aside and get yelled at by two dudes you've never seen before it kind of wasn't really like a do this and 
I'm going to see how you act and kind of thing like that. It was kind of just like, you know, this is like a team trip. But he's seen it as like team bonding, just in a more fun way, I guess. But like, to some it was crazy. <laughs> but like, for me, it was, it was fun, like seeing two dudes. And mind you, they haven't seen each other in like 30 years. That, that's what they said. They haven't seen each other since they did the Navy SEALs, like actually in it. It was like 34 years or something like that. We didn't see them. Uh, Coach B actually went to go pick them up from the airport. And he said when they like seen each other, they hugged like for like twenty minutes. It was a crazy. So like, well, you go through that. I mean, you yeah. you form these incredible bonds, and, and I'm sure mm-hmm. a big part of the purpose of you spending a week doing this was to form the bond between you and your teammates. Yeah, did it serve its purpose? Yeah, it served its purpose. We all stayed with who we thought doesn't really talk that much, but like. Coach didn't know we all talked to each other, so it's kind of like you're not gonna put us with no random teammate or <laughs> not like that. It's kind of like we all knew that, so we all have that bond. So it's kind of just like that. We had the team dinners, you know, team lunches as well, team breakfasts. So like those two, like just all sitting at the table at one big table together, you know, just talking, laughing it out. You know, coaches are sitting with instructor B, instructor G, telling stories. Like in the middle, of the, in the middle of like the week. I was like, yo, I, w- I want to hear a story. Like, what do they have to say? Like, what like what do they do? Like, what's the craziest thing? They just told us a whole bunch of crazy stories, like about what they what they went through together. I was like, wow. And we're only we're only doing this, like jumping in mud, you know? Yeah, this is they nothing. Were, yeah, like they were. Hmm. You you've talked over the course of conversation about Coach Hudson and the different approach he took in recruiting, how it just seemed different. And you talked about coming down here and going to dinner with those guys and just you know feeling you know a vibe. So we talked about kind of all the things you liked about this place, except for the basketball. It just seems like you're tailor made for this style of play. What did you know about the way he wanted to play? And now that you've seen, how well does it suit you? <laughs> yeah, I'm on my visit as well. He told me like. He can kind of see me playing like, you know, Brandon Miller type of vibe. And praise to him, you know, he's an NBA. I watched like a couple of his highlights while I was on my recruitment. And he was doing a lot of like, you know, ball handling. So I kind of felt like I have to work on that a little bit more. That was one of the things I had to work on. But, you know, just watching that and then seeing the way he played, they, the way they played at Alabama. And he said that's how they were going to play here, you know, fast pace. He's never going to tell us not to shoot the ball. Like, he's going to give us the utmost confidence in whatever we do, you know. There's limits, of course, obviously, but, like, just giving us the utmost confidence and, like, building the trust in each other, you know, that's just how we're going to get it done. It's been fun to watch you guys play yeah. so far. And it's, it's been fun. We're, and we start to see it, and this team still hasn't been fully healthy at the same time yet. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Like, we lost Terrence. He tried to come back. He came back for a little rock for a little while, actually. And then end up twisting his ankle again. Obadiah hurting his back. And then Q's sick. Ledoux out sick. Yeah. Um, Freddie had to miss yeah, five games. Fre- Freddie had to miss a couple games. So it's kind of just like we're fighting adversity every every time we step on the floor. But like it'll help in the long run. That's what I believe. Of course, you guys, there, there's so much work to do that you really can't get hung up on it. But I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you guys stop and think. You guys have not played one game with the whole roster. Yeah, that's crazy. I never thought of that. <laughs> I never thought of that, actually. Like, I always knew, like, someone was hurt. But, like, just having them all there, like, like we're always talking to each other, like, timeouts, you know, locker room. We're always talking to each other. So I kind of forget. But we're all on the bench together. So, like, when they're talking to me and then, like, I feel like they're involved in the game, too. So it's not like they're they're out, really. We hear their voices, but it's just, like, to not have them on the court kind of, you know, kind of mind-boggling. 
and I know it's hard for them, but they're staying strong, you know, so we just take it one step at a time. Do you have a major? What What's your major? What are you going after? So at UMass, my major was African-American history. I didn't really, like, think of it as, like, that's what I'm going to do after, you know, if basketball doesn't work out. I was kind of thinking of it as, like, what am I interested in? That's kind of how I thought of it. So that's why I picked it, because learning about black history and stuff like that is very important for, for me, of course, you know, mm-hmm. or for anybody who wants to learn about yeah. it, you know. But, like, for me, it's just, like, something I was always locked into. You know, growing up, I love history, so I just decided to pick it. Then here, they kind of didn't have the same classes or majors that UMass did, of course. So I'm in general studies right now. But I don't know what I'm going to do with it, though, to be honest. <laughs> I'm just focused on basketball, really. <laughs> what else are you into? I know um, you've got a couple of brand-new tattoos that uh, <laughs> you got before we recorded yeah, today. Yeah. I'm very interested in, like... Art, art stuff like yeah. brand, like clothing and things like that. Tattoos is like one of the things I kind of got interested in. I thought I got my first one. I'm not looking to do like my whole body or something like crazy like that. No, I'm just looking probably both arms and chest. It's about it though, but nothing crazy. Uh, now, for people who are soft and I put myself really high <laughs> in that, they'd be thinking, how's this guy going to go get a tattoo on a Sunday? In the middle of basketball season with games coming up Wednesday, Thursday, because I'd be, you know, out for a week. You can't look at me. You can't touch me. So how, how's this going to work? Oh, I'm, I'm going to be fine. I, I did it before. I did it with my first one. So I'll be sure. He's still going to get the same DeAndre Dominguez on the court. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like the DeAndre Dominguez we've seen on yep. the court so far this year and can't wait to see you the rest of the season. Appreciate you. you coming in, man. This has been no problem. Fun. No problem. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. All right. Much more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by First National Bank and Kavanaugh Auto Group right after this. Get huge savings now at every Kavanaugh dealership. Kavanaugh has a great selection of late model, low mileage, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And most are still under factory warranty. We have every make and every model. So you're sure to find the vehicle you want. And when you buy at Kavanaugh, Every new and used purchase comes with one year of free maintenance. Plus, we buy cars. Bring a vehicle, get a check. Come see us today at one of our dealerships or go to KavanaughCars.com. This is Coach Brian Hodson, and I'm asking you to help our A-State student-athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our student-athletes by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T Club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Wolves up. At First National Bank, our mortgage lending team knows what it takes to make a home and a superior home loan process. Simple, proven, and reliable service with competitive rates at a bank that already feels like home. Since 1889, that's been the First National Bank way because for our people, this is home. Apply online at fnbank.net slash mortgage. From our family to yours, welcome home first national bank member fdic equal housing lender back on the second to none podcast presented by first national bank and kavanaugh auto group talked a lot about the men's team just a moment ago with deandre dominguez but do want to go back and look at those two games that the red wolves played on the road starting wednesday at southern miss this was a really good college basketball game very evenly played ball game Both teams led by as many as nine in this one. Southern Miss led most of the first half. A-State led most 
of the second half. And I thought both teams played well defensively. In fact, the Red Wolves, with one of their better efforts of the season on the defensive end, held Southern Miss to just 35% shooting. The bad news was the Red Wolves had one of their tougher offensive outputs of the season, held to just 34% shooting. And Southern Miss able to win this game in the final seconds, 69-66. And unfortunately, you know, you're kind of left thinking, what if at the end of the game, especially after a blocking foul was called on Darian Ford that was, well, borderline at best. Second time in a row, I think. Second straight podcast. We've broken down a, a late in the game call that didn't go Arkansas State's way. You know, we were talking about the bowl the, one of the last times we were here. And, you know, this is the same thing. You know, no game comes down to one play. It's unfortunate when one play at the end of the game and, and officiating on one play is what you're left talking about. But, you know, the pretty simple fix here is hit more free throws and uh, miss some key it, ones it in that one. Come down to that. It was a good college basketball game, though. And even after Saturday, when another one of the better teams in the Sun Belt went into Hattiesburg, Troy not able to hold on against Southern Miss. In their two years in the league, Southern Miss has still not lost a home game in Sun Belt Conference play. That is a really tough place to play. And the Red Wolves had them on the ropes the other night. How come? Why is it tough to play? Just is a voodoo in that old round building? Uh, is it just there's magic in those Southern Miss home jerseys? Well, what know, makes that a tough place to I play? know where you're getting because it was a factor. It was their spirit night on Wednesday night when we were there, and they had a fantastic student section. And believe me, they made a difference in that game. So it being Greek night or whatever they called it and all that jazz aside, and I'm just going to put this out because here I always feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you're an invested Arkansas State fan, and chances are you're at every game you can be at, by and large. I feel like when I say stuff like this on the podcast, it's not calling people out because it's not calling the people that are listening out. It's probably preaching to the choir. Yeah. Those four new members of the Sun Belt in Marshall and Southern Miss and Old Dominion and who am I forget? James Madison are one, two, three, four in men's basketball attendance in the league. And then there's a big drop off to number five. Wow. And I hadn't even realized. I mean, like how they were ranked. Yeah. I mean, there's like the last time I looked and it's been a while and I can't remember the order, but those four were top four in the league. And then there was about a 1400 person gap from four to five, man. So they came in, you know, that's a big drop. Yeah. That's a big drop. And so, you know, hopefully, in this case, I don't mind saying, hopefully those other four will sort of help pull the rest of us up to them in men's basketball attendance. So it's not a big accident or, uh, accident or coincidence that Southern Miss has been very good at home since joining the league. Heartbreaking loss on Wednesday. But the Red Wolves were back at it on Saturday at Texas State. And we've played a lot of close games at Strand Arena over the years, but we've had a lot of close losses. In fact, we were 1-7 all time in San Marcos before Saturday, and the only win was the first time we were in there back in 2014 when Coach Brady was able to go in there and win. So it's been right at 10 years ago this month. Just a, Yeah, just a hair over 10 years. The last time the Red Wolves were able to win in San Marcos. There were a lot of things, and we talked about it with DeAndre earlier, a lot of things stacked up against the Red Wolves on Saturday. 
Mainly, <laughs> the head coach wasn't there. And I'll give you a little background there since I was on the trip. We flew, the team flew on Friday. At the time, when, when we flew Friday, it was believed that Coach Hodson was going to do everything he could, if possible, to still fly separately on game day and get down there on Saturday. And it was still a question mark up until early afternoon Saturday whether or not Coach Hodson was going to be there because he and Jordan are getting ready for their first child to get here. He's got his priorities straight. He's where he needs to be. But if possible, he was going to take a separate flight, go down, come right back after the game. And I text him, I think, around 1.30, and he texted right back and said, I'm not coming now. And his explanation was, she's too far along for me to go that far. You just, I mean, there's no mulligan on that. And, there's I, not. and look, and I understand, it, and I haven't heard anybody say this, but it's, you know, the guy makes a good living to coach the basketball team and yada, yada, yada. Okay, fine. You don't, there's no amount of money you, worth missing you that don't, There's no redo on when your kid's born. It's not worth the risk. And, I, and, and I'll tell you this, too. Obviously, would you want your head coach there? Absolutely. But the faith, and and not just the faith, but the amount of responsibility he puts on the guys on his staff, make that an easier blow to absorb. It makes it a little bit easier to go business as usual without your head coach because he does put so much faith and responsibility on the shoulders of those assistants. That's a really good point. And this is a good staff in T. Butters and Derek Rongstad and Jamie Quarles. And I've really enjoyed being around those guys to this point. Those guys were ready for the challenge, whether Coach Hodson was going to be there or not on Saturday. And, hey, everybody stepped up. And they were going to have to step Mm -hmm. up because not only was Coach Hodson not there, but two of your bigs – we're not on the trip as well. Ledoux LeCou and LaQuil Hardnett were both sick, did not travel. You had Freddie Hicks, who had missed five of the previous six games with a back injury. And I was talking with T. Butters before the game. He said, man, we'd love to get 12 to 15 minutes out of Freddie. They ended up getting 21 out of him. Isaiah Nelson <laughs> got hurt in the first two minutes of the game. And, man, you could tell he was in a lot of pain. He he injured his right knee. He was back on the training table, which was right behind our bench. He moved over to a stationary bike a little bit later on. It, it looked like there was no chance that he was going to come back in. And lo and behold, the under-12 media timeout, coming out of that under-12 media timeout in the second half, he's back out on the floor. And he gave us five minutes in yep. that second half, and he blocked two shots during that time and got a steal. That was absolutely huge. So it took so many guys stepping up in that game, and they end up winning in San Marcos for the first time in 10 years, 79-72. I was out of pocket at the start of the game and hadn't got to kind of follow along or watch or listen to any of it yet. And I get a text you know, pretty early on from a buddy of mine that says, oh, by the way, we're without all three of our centers right now. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? And he texts, you know, that the two were out and Isaiah had gotten hurt. And like, oh, man. But, uh, yeah, just kind of gutted one out, right? And despite what you said, despite not having your coach, despite not playing the bulk of the game without your three bigs, uh, despite the fact that Texas State was never going to miss a free throw, despite the fact that I don't think – I don't know that we hit a three in the last – 
seemingly 15 minutes of the game, it felt like. You know, all those things, there's a lot of reasons to to let that one get away from you, and they just wouldn't do it. Love the performance from Freddie Hicks the other day. Again, he, he's still not 100%, but he's out there giving everything he has. And we mentioned he played 21 minutes. He had seven points, and he had five rebounds, and all five of those boards were on the offensive end. And really... I thought the biggest sequence of the ball game came with about two minutes to go, and the Red Wolves were able to twice run the shot clock down, and both times after misses got offensive rebounds. First, it was Avery Feltz getting a huge offensive board, and then Freddie Hicks got an offensive rebound. And after Freddie got his, Caleb Fields drove in and got a yep. three-point play. You knew that the Red Wolves were going to be able to finish it off after and, that. You know, Freddie got a big and one in there, too, in that. In that stretch, we kind of put in the game away. So, yeah, everybody just did what they could. And when you add it all up, it was enough to get out of there, as you said, for the first time in, in 10 years with a win. And I talked about missed free throws. There's one I'm willing to give uh, a pass on. Uh, I'm not even going to get mad at Caleb Fields for missing a free throw after he had to wait for them to roll the fan off the floor. <laughs> Yeah, just one of the more obscure <laughs> moments with the wheelchair rolling on the court that uh, I can remember. Look, I wasn't able to read the shirt. You know where I'm sitting at Texas State. I'm actually at the top of the lower level. Yeah. So I'm not floor level calling it. But as this person comes out on the floor, I didn't know what it was. If this guy took a wrong turn, what happened if he was pushed out there? So... I think everybody was kind of in shock when it happened, but no, I wasn't able to read the shirt that everybody else was able to read later on when all the social media clips went out. Did I read somewhere that the guy's buddy and I guess the person that eventually went out and got it was the one that pushed him out onto the floor? Yeah, I think I saw something like that too. Either way, just a moment you don't see no, every day. No, you do not. When you, you did go not to the basketball have, game. If you had that one on the old basketball bingo card Saturday, <laughs> then <laughs> you deserve the win. Avery Feltz led the way with 17 points. How about Julian Lule? He had a season-high 13 points, really stepped up with those bigs, or so many of them not available the other day. And Julian provided some big moments. Taryn Todd with 13, DeAndre with 12 points, and a team-high nine rebounds. And I want to mention this, Caleb Fields starting his 122nd game breaks Marquise Eaton's school record for most career starts. You know, Caleb's able to do this because of the fifth year of eligibility. And so same thing, Marquise, same yeah. thing with Marquise. So, yeah, they're probably going to stay one-two on that list for an awfully so. long time. Red Wolves, though, now four and three in Sunbelt Conference play. The women, how about the week for them? How about it? 2-0 and on the road this past week for Coach Rogers and crew. Comeback win on Wednesday at South Alabama, 78-69. They were down at the half, but had a big third quarter and rolled on to the victory behind a 32-point night from Izzy Higginbottom. And it wasn't just her. There were two others that really got involved scoring the other night. Izzy finished with 32 points, seven boards, four assists. Anna Griffin with 19 points and seven rebounds. And Lauren Pendleton with 18 points, five boards, and three assists. Those three players combined for 69 of the 78 points that the Red Wolves scored the right, other and night. It's, it sounds funny, but that's all it takes. I don't mean Izzy scoring 30, but you just need those second and third options. And the most 
logical choices are Pendleton and, and Griffin. And then, you know, Forney's going to sprinkle you some stuff in there. And Winter Rogers is going to do some blue collar stuff and this and that. But if you just know you're going to get some scoring out of those three, you've got a great chance to win. And that's what was so frustrating about a game we didn't get to talk about here that loss to the Cajuns at home. I can't imagine how mad and disappointed they were because I was mad just yeah. sitting there watching it. I didn't feel like the better team won that game. I felt like A-State let the Cajuns come in and dictate the terms to them of how the game was going to be played and then still came within a point of beating them at their own game. And I thought what a huge moment it could have been to have won a game where you put three players in double figures and Izzy wasn't one of them. And she didn't have double figures in that game. But she had like eight yeah, assists. She did. And I thought if you win that game, it is such a boost because now, for once, you can finally say we don't have to have her go off scoring wise to win. You know, so it was it was disheartening to let that one wiggle away. It was a game you should have won, but to bounce back with a couple on the road was a a very nice response. Go back to that South Alabama game. Just seven turnovers in that one, and the Red Wolves led in points off turnovers, twenty four to eight. That was huge. You know, they had been going into the last week or week and a half. They were. They were tops in the league yep. in turnovers. They were averaging fewest about, in fewest turnovers at about 12 a game. But the two games the week before last, they turned it over hand over fist. It was like, what is going on? And uh, in a game and a half stretch in that homestand the week before, they turned it over 30 times, I think, in a game and a half. So it's, it's good to see them kind of get back to what they had been doing the bulk of the rest of the season in terms of taking care of the basketball. They followed up the victory on Wednesday at South Alabama by going to Texas State on Saturday. And what do you know? They come from behind in the second half once again. They win this one 57-53. We talked about it being a tough place to play for the men. Same thing for the women. This is a tough place to win, and the Red Wolves able to do that. Izzy, we bring her up again because she had 20 points, seven boards, four assists, but... She got to 1,000 career points. And look, she's still got a lot of basketball in front of her. 840 of those 1,000 points are as a Red Wolf. Yeah, a lot more of those to come. And they did a great job of just uh, letting her kind of go to work when that game was on the line. And uh, she did a good job of getting to the free throw line because it had been tough. Like I think when she was at 10 points, that's even in the fourth quarter, I think she was at 10 points. And it had taken her 13 shots to get to 10 points. And that's you know very uncommon. For all the scoring she does, she shoots it phenomenally well. She was like 50% from the floor. Yeah. So it had taken her 13 shots to get to 10 points. And then late, she did a good job getting to the free throw line. And really, uh, both games at Texas State. Uh, enough points to, to get the win, but really uh, each team really kind of did good things defensively with the game on the line, the men and women both. You know, strung together stops late in the game to get those road wins. And hit big free throws when they had to in the fourth quarter. 12 of 14 from the line in the fourth for the A-State women as they go on to beat Texas State. They're now 4-3 and in Sunbelt Conference play, just like the men. There were other 
good things happening in the world of A-State athletics, and we'll talk about them when we come back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast right after this. At First National Bank, our mortgage lending team knows what it takes to make a home and a superior home loan process. Simple, proven, and reliable service with competitive rates at a bank that already feels like home. Since 1889, that's been the First National Bank way because for our people, this is home. Apply online at fnbank.net slash mortgage from our family to yours welcome home first national bank member fdic equal housing Lender. red wolves fans this is coach destiny rogers and i'm asking you to help our student athletes by donating to the impact club this is an organization that highlights our commitment to teamwork while raising awareness and support for our local community programs make a monthly commitment and get access to team letters special gear and exclusive access that you won't find anywhere else find out more and give today at impactclub.com that's impact spelled i-m P-A-C-K-T-Club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student athletes and in the future of our sports program. Wolves up. Get huge savings now at every Kavanaugh dealership. Kavanaugh has a great selection of late model, low mileage, certified pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. And most are still under factory warranty. We have every make and every model. So you're sure to find the vehicle you want. And when you buy at Kavanaugh, Every new and used purchase comes with one year of free maintenance. Plus, we buy cars. Bring a vehicle, get a check. Come see us today at one of our dealerships or go to KavanaughCars.com. What a weekend for the A-State bowling team. They were at the Northeast Classic in Newcastle, Delaware over the weekend. And I need you to... uh, (laughs) I can't. Explain this to Uh, me. It's... I I describe... I don't know where you're going. And it's the... The Red Wolves go 13-0 yeah. over the weekend. Beat some of the best teams in the country. Sunday alone, I think they beat three teams three, ranked in the top three 12. teams, that's right. And that 13-0 and weekend led to a, wait for it, <laughs> third place finish. <laughs> it's, I always say, it's like, whose line is it anyway? You know, the points don't matter. Because a lot of times... Not all these bowling tournaments are this way, but this is one that you're keeping these records in these Baker matches, but really who wins and who loses them doesn't matter a whole lot. It's about total pinfall. And somehow, like, even though we run beaten through the first two days, we were sixth place in total pinfall going into Sunday. So whatever the format of this event was, the highest we could get to, we knew, I guess, going into Sunday, the highest we could finish was third and went. 3-0 and to go 13-0 and and a third-place finish. Well, and so uh, that's not, I mean. Still a really no, solid weekend. Yeah, I, yeah that's not a whole lot of explanation, but uh, yeah, 13-0. and and Bowling back on the road this weekend. They'll be in Arlington competing at the Prairie View Invitational. It was also a big weekend for the indoor track and field team. They were at the Vanderbilt Invite in Nashville. How about Will Glass? He shattered his school record. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> in the 60-meter hurdles. One with a time of 7.74, just ahead of his teammate Colby Adows, who finished second. Willem Kurtzen, the top collegiate thrower in the men's shot put. Freshman Casey Andrews winning the women's pole vault. I like that. I'm, I'm ready to just have a all-world pole vaulter again. Yeah, we cranked those out. With regularity, once yeah, so absolutely. How about uh, Michelle Ogbamuja, who broke the school record in the women's weight throw? Bradley Jelmert winning the men's pole vault. Yeah, 
And there were all kinds of other top three, top five finishes, personal best over the weekend. But as it usually is with the track and field stuff, we, we don't have time to get to all that stuff. <laughs> you, you break a school record or you win the event, that's how you get mentioned around here. PRs need not apply. Another great weekend for Coach Patchell's crew. They're going to be at the Lenny Lyles Invitational. That's in Louisville this weekend. Hey, tennis was home at the Trim Gym in Jonesboro Friday one of and their, um One of their four home facilities they'll host matches at this season. Uh, four home facilities. Yes, they have four uh, home courts. And I do think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Friday and Saturday were the only two at the Trim Gym. I was there Friday, and um, there were a lot of people there. It was a, it was quite the scene. You remember so fact, Hal made the trip Hal, out there. Hal came by there, uh, but like you know, the, the place to watch those tennis courts at uh, at Trim Gym was an rail above the courts. There's steps, yeah. and you go up and what? But there was no room at the rail. It was too deep along the rail trying to watch the That's tennis matches. Start charging admission for that. Get so the, um, get the rail seats. So yeah, so it was. Uh, so they'll play at Trim Gym. They'll play at Ridgepoint. They'll play some at uh, JCC, and then uh, eventually toward the home stretch when the weather's more dependable, they'll play on their courts on campus. Yeah, my daughter has got into tennis, and, and the tennis tournament she's played in, we watch from the rail up top. And I never know how to behave up there. If, if you, I mean, there, there's not a lot of cheering or anything. Every now and then, you know, you shout out, "Hey, great job!" Or, but I don't say it too loud. <laughs> I'm still a little confused with the tennis match etiquette. I understand. But there was some cheering. Yeah, I, I, there was some cheering happening. I, I don't think they mind. Um, because And what you're saying is because there's multiple matches going on at a time. Yeah. In this case. That's part of it. I'll act like I'm a big expert on it because I've probably known what I'm about to tell you for about 72 hours now. <laughs> so they play three doubles matches. But all of that's worth one point. The school that wins... Two of the three doubles matches gets a point for doubles. And then you play six singles matches, and they're each worth a point. So it's a best of seven match to see who the winner is. Every singles match is a point, but all three doubles only equal up to the seventh point. You play doubles first, see who gets the doubles point, okay. and you play the, the six singles sets. Yeah, I, I didn't know that before. So where you been? Three days behind you, I guess. <laughs> but, hey, it was a good performance on Friday. They shut out Tennessee State 7 nothing, or I guess I should say 7-love on Friday. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And uh, the doubles the, was interesting. Like, we won the first doubles match, and then uh, the other two doubles matches both went into these long tiebreakers. I, I want to say we may have won one of them like 14 to 12 or something like that. It took a while to get those to see who was going to get that doubles point. They came back on Saturday and took on Stephen F. Austin, and it was that doubles point tiebreaker that got him in that match. But you and I are both really high on Sujay Lama and had him in for the podcast a few months ago. And man, this guy is fantastic. And you could tell just. You know, by the way, he's recruiting. He's brought in some really good recruits. He's hired Emily Metcalf-Owen, a very accomplished tennis player in her own right from right here in Jonesboro. 
is part of the staff now, but uh, this tennis program going in the right direction. And I th- and look, his effort I think is a big part of the reason why I'm talking about how big the crowd was. I mean, he he's not content to just field a team, and really he's not even content to just field a good one. Uh, he he wants it to be an event, and there were a lot of things that happened at that match and those matches Friday and Saturday that have probably never happened at an Arkansas State tennis match before. But you know, I think they'll become the norm, as, as certainly for as long as. Coach Sujay's around. Tennis will be in Springfield, Missouri this weekend. They'll take on Missouri State and Oral Roberts. Talked a lot about basketball already, but the basketball team's on the road this week once again. The men will make the Louisiana swing. They'll be in Lafayette taking on the Cajuns Thursday at 7.30, then in Monroe to wrap up the four-game road trip Saturday at 2.30. The women will be in Monroe Thursday at 5, and then they'll travel to Troy for a game Saturday at 2. After all that, we finally get to come back home, and we'll have a doubleheader on Wednesday the 31st. That's the next time the basketball teams will both be home, and that's another doubleheader night with the women at 5 and the men at 7.30. So make your plans now. Hey, we haven't talked about on the podcast before we get out of here, we haven't talked about the Grand Slam Banquet. We have not. That's been announced, and... You excited about the guest? I, I figured you I, would be. I am. I would say this is a, a guest, be honest with you, that I suggested to Coach Raffle somewhere along the way that I thought he'd do very well with if he ever brought in Jim Edmonds. Because it goes back to when the brand new head baseball coach, Tommy Raffo, came in one day asking me about the Grand Slam banquet. And because there'd been such a high bar set when Keith Kester started this and the the resources his dad had and the, yeah. the ability to bring guests in. I mean, Coach Raffo's like, what do you do? Like, I mean, how do you follow that up? You know, not everybody has Don Kessinger's Rolodex. <laughs> and so the the advice then is the same as the advice now. Coach, when in doubt, you bring in a Cardinal. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty safe way to go, and it's worked very well over the years. And last year was really, really good, kind of stepping out of the norm. Uh-huh. And bringing in Patrick Renner from the Sandlot, but this will be good. I enjoyed that. that I did good. too, but this will be really good. And not just a Cardinal, but a really, really, really good one. A, a Cardinal Hall of Famer, now a Cardinal broadcaster, but uh, just a phenomenal player. You're part of MV3 back in the day with Pujols and Scott Rowland. So, yeah, a lot of people will be excited about having Jim Edmonds come to town. February 12th, Monday the 12th. Tickets, I mean, people have been buying them up as soon as they heard about it, but you can call 972-3005, 972-3005, and get your tickets to the Grand Slam Banquet. We missed doing this the last few weeks, but good to be back. Thanks again to DeAndre Dominguez for coming in and joining us. Appreciate Caleb Garner for setting that up. And if he's still listening to this point, God bless you, because even when we came back from the bowl, I wanted to shout out Alan Wright. You know, former A-State offensive yeah. lineman we got to visit with in, in Montgomery at the bowl game, he and his lovely wife, and he was telling us he's a listener to the podcast. He does. He's uh, he's a loyal listener, and we appreciate Alan and all the former Red Wolves that listen to this podcast every week as well. No such thing as former Red Wolves, by the way. Yeah, we're Red Wolves for life. Like the Marines. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.